Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and we have got some headlines to get into. We've got some waiver wire pickups, and then we are previewing Thursday night football. A good matchup, right? Usually, sometimes we're we're talking about matchups that don't have much fantasy implication. That is not the case this week because we've got the Eagles and the Packers going at it in Green Bay on Thursday night football. So we'll get into that and make our picks. But let's start with some of the headlines here. One of the biggest discussions in the fantasy and really in the NFL community right now is just Cam Newton in general, what his long-term outlook looks like, whether or not he's going to be playing for the Carolina Panthers moving forward, and what this team will continue to be built around, right? Because a lot of us know Ron Rivera last year was borderline hot seat, right, was in that discussion. Um, Obviously, if things do not go well this year, you assume that discussion will be revisited. So, Jake, your thoughts on Cam Newton and what's going on in Carolina? You know, it's interesting, and it was definitely uh, more than lukewarm last year. You got a new owner that apparently is a no-risk-it-no-biscuit, pardon the pun, kind of of, uh, owner that made his money risking it all, made a ton of it, uh, wants to have that kind of – feel to his team. He was a part owner of the Steelers. He loves the way that model has been done. Um, And I'd say Rivera's on the hot seat going into this season. The thing with Cam is they could take a $2 million hit and save $18 million on the cap next year to move on from him. And I'm not saying Kyle Allen is the guy, but I think they're seeing a prototypical type quarterback and that their offense took a monster step forward. Cam's been Cam, but Cam's entire career has been predicated on the ability to move. And what I saw this week, and we've talked about it in the past, but people that that are listening to the show, go Google Liz Frank, L-I-S-F-R-A-N-C. It is a bone injury in your foot. And every time we talk about foot injuries, I say, is it Liz Frank? Are we looking at that? Because they don't ever want to throw that out there. And when they do, I've never seen anybody's career not downward spiral from there, especially somebody predicated on moving that's a big guy. It's usually receivers or running backs that you're talking about, and it's an issue. Santonio Holmes' career really went downhill when they di- they diagnosed it with Liz Frank, especially when they do surgery because it doesn't always work. Uh, I think it's time for them to move on from Cam. Somebody will want him moving forward, but if he has to be a pocket passer the rest of his career, we saw how that worked this year. Two shoulder surgeries. Uh, I think Rivera's on the hot seat finishing this year. I think the owner would like to move on, maybe start this whole thing over. He's talking about massive renovation of the stadium. Um, and it's been Cam's show in Charlotte for a long, long time. I think it's the beginning of the end in, uh, in, in Carolina for Cam. Jamie, your thoughts on, on just Cam Newton's long-term outlook and if there is a long-term outlook um, in Carolina and, and how that impacts maybe more so this season from a fantasy perspective if, if he's not going to play very much. So for this season, I don't think there's much of an impact at all. In fact, as I know we touched on a little bit last week that there might have even been a positive impact. 
definitely was for guys like Curtis Samuel. But I think they're all going to be in that same range where we thought they were going to be in the preseason. So let's take our preseason expectations for Greg Olson, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore. And they'll actually probably live up to the hype for that now when they weren't early in the season. Uh, I would not be surprised if we've seen Cam Newton's last game as a Carolina Panther. And I wouldn't be shocked if we've seen Cam Newton's last game in the NFL. I really would not be shocked just because it just, we've talked about, again, it's not inside information. This is just looking at all of the injuries that he has suffered, uh, you know, his body language on and off the field. Like, you know, Jake pointed out, you always got highs and lows, but now you don't get the highs anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. it's been a long time since we've seen Superman Cam out there. He's really banged up. I think, honestly, just basically put, I, I know they probably won't do this, but just put him on IR, let him rest, let him just take the rest of the season off. And see, can he get healthy enough to come back and play meaningful snaps for somebody somewhere in 2020? Because if he keeps coming back when he – I mean, he wasn't fully healthy this offseason. He wasn't healthy for week one. He has another injury now. Like, at some point, you just let these injuries build and build and build. He's taken a lot of hits on that body. It just it, Like Jake said, the style of play that makes Cam Newton successful, he is unable to play right now. And that version of Cam Newton where he has to try to play a game that he can't play doesn't deserve to be a starter in the NFL right now. Yeah. It's no, as simple as that. Yeah, it is as simple as that. And I know you brought it up on an earlier podcast that you th- you thought potentially the next surprise retirement could be Cam Newton, right? And it a lot of the things you were just saying are reminding me of things that Andrew Luck had brought up, right? At a certain point, your body, if you just continue to go out there and get hurt, you're looking at the long-term I've been in pain for three years. I've been in pain for four years. And it's hard to get healthy when you don't take just all of it off, right? You just, you're not literally, you're going, I am not doing football at all, period. It's not happening. I'm not preparing for football. I'm not working my body back to play football. It's really hard to get your body. And Cam, even more so than Andrew, because of his style of play, has just taken a beating, right? And it's... It's ugly for Cam, and and I hope he I hope he does what's good for him because he doesn't look like he's enjoying football anymore, and that's what made Cam exciting to watch was the Superman Cam, right? That was that was the best version of Cam, and we saw that all three of us saw that up close and personal against the Arizona Cardinals, right? Yeah. Like I saw his first game, his first career start. Yeah, I was I was in I was in University of Phoenix Stadium more at the time, and that's I mean. He is a dynamic player, but he's 30 now. And he's had, again, multiple shoulder surgeries. He's had this foot issue. Like, he is banged up. And anybody who has watched him play football since college understands why he is banged up. Yeah. At some point, it catches up to you. It really, really does. Yeah. A couple things to note here. I mean, the diagnosis is going to determine what happens this year. If it is Liz Frank, whether it's surgery or not, I can see them shutting him down and putting him on IR. The other thing, you, Jamie, brings up a good point about the retirement. Cam was old collective bargaining agreement first overall pick. So you're talking about like $60, $70 million guaranteed off that contract. And then he signed another monster one since. So like money's not an issue with a guy that seems to have other interests doing different stuff. You know, and then Paige brought up a really good point. It was either last week or the week before. And I've heard it floating around the NFL community now. And I think we're going to see it. It's shortened exciting careers for quarterbacks, but not these 15 to 20 year things like Deshaun Watson, maybe the next guy. None of these guys are six, five two fifty like cam, but they're letting a lot of these young guys play like this. 
and they're if they take in a third of the hits, and Sean Watson's taking at least a third of the hits, the Cam's taking, you're going to see these exciting careers that fizzle. Quick yeah, I mean, there's a reason. There's a method up. to the madness, the TB12 stuff, guys. I mean, people can make fun of Tom Brady all they want that he drops to drops so fast the second he sees somebody coming for him, but it's self preservation at a certain point, and you you don't get to playing at 42 years old at a high level by taking hit after hit after hit. You just don't. And there's a method to that madness. There is a reason that he's still playing at that level because Tom Brady has not taken a lot of hits. He never has. They've always built an offensive line to take care of him. And he knows the second the pocket collapses, Tom Brady goes down. He's not trying to get hit. He doesn't want Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald or any of those guys taking him down because his body can't handle that. And at a certain point, you continue to take hits like that and it, it wears on your body. And I, I wonder. And Tom grew up in a different era of the NFL, though, yeah. where like you were a pocket passer and that was it. And you don't take as many hits. But the NFL is changing. And they want these dual threat guys that run around and want to do some of this college stuff. They just, I think you're going to start going right back to a pocket passer that you're not letting get hit. Because they're going to see this quick. When some of these exciting careers end in seven, eight years where you're talking about franchise quarterbacks were 12 to 15 and they were playing at a super high level. Eli Manning didn't take any hits, but him and Tom couldn't play that style of play anyway. There's a very interesting dichotomy going on. What's going to happen at this position moving forward. I think there's a lot of people that are looking going, okay, yeah, I like Tua, but Tua runs around a little bit. Tua has been hurt in college from getting hit. Herbert, maybe I like him and Burrow better because they're traditional pocket passers. We could have them for longer if they pan out. It's going to be really interesting to see how the NFL blasts. I think we've landed on a very, very good topic for the draft network to, to dive deeper into from a quarterback perspective, because this is true. This is, there's enough, there's enough evidence for us to point to now with young quarterbacks that are in the league that are taking hits the way Bruce Arians has said over and over again, a lot of this also has to do with the fact offensive linemen aren't coming out of the, coming out of college ready to play football anymore either. That's a big problem in the NFL. There are not a lot of great offensive linemen in the league and there aren't a lot of great, there's not a lot of great protection for quarterbacks, which is making this very difficult. Yeah. Uh, and it, yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll leave you with this on this topic page. Uh, while these teams are looking at it, they might want to look at the fact that none of these dual threat guys. It's also a good point. Also, also a good point to point to. Obviously, Cam played in a Super Bowl and it did not end well for for Cam Newton. All right, let's talk about Melvin Gordon, uh, his potential to come back early. Uh, listen, when the we talked about it a little bit on Monday's podcast, and our discussion was more so if we're the LA Chargers and we are in charge of this football team, we're not fully panicked. But we should be, uh, I would say, uh, at least a 5 out of 10 on the panic scale because you're 1 and 2, the Chiefs are 3 and 0, oh, and you don't look very good, right? They haven't looked very good. You, you lost in Detroit. Last week you lost at home. You haven't looked great. And you have a really, really dynamic running back that you can add to this team that can bolster the confidence in that offense. It can help out Phillip Rivers. And at the end of the day, bring some positivity to that locker room. So, Jake, what do you think is going to happen here with Melvin Gordon? Because obviously Chargers fans with the expectations going into the season have to be a little upset at this point. Well, I mentioned it Monday because I think that Melvin has some leverage now that he didn't have before. The trade market has been exhausted, and nobody wants to give him anywhere near what they were asking for and wanted. They didn't want to give Melvin anywhere near what he wanted to come back and play and sign. 
all signs pointed towards, okay, I'm going to come play the minimum amount of games possible so I can become a free agent. But the, the, the pendulum swung in Melvin's direction as far as, I think, having a little bit of leverage. Even though Eckler's playing really good and Justin Jackson limited time has played really well, they're not Melvin Gordon. And they need all the spark they can get. I think he comes back and plays well and goes, okay, I'm still going to go be a free agent, but I'll give you the first right of refusal to keep me here one more time. Uh, I think he comes back earlier than later, and I said that Monday just because they need some kind of spark. Because if they play yeah, the Chiefs right uh, now, they're I don't getting think it's close at this point. Jamie, your thoughts? Well, he, he has to come back sometime in the next month anyway. I mean, that's the reality of the situation because he's not going to give up his ability to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So the question is, when does he come back between now and like week nine ish or week ten? I can't remember when the, their exact buy is. But uh, look, he's he's a guy that. If you've been waiting, you actually might get him back a couple weeks sooner. I said basically budget half the season and say he's gone for half the year and I'm going to get him in the second half. You might get him back a little bit sooner. Obviously, he's not going to be out there this week, but he might report this week, and then at that point you have a chance to play uh, two weeks from now. I mean, you, I, I, he's inserted right back in your lineup right away, I think, for fantasy purposes. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to rank him as an RB1 his first week back, but he's definitely an RB2, and you're definitely going to throw him out there. They're not going to – they should – I said they're not going to – they shouldn't need him this week. I don't care. I don't care if they had to travel from Tokyo to the East Coast for a 10 a.m. start time. They should beat the Dolphins. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but they will start to need him going forward. And the reality is, is they're already two games back in the Chiefs in that division. There's a very good chance they're going to have to go on the road throughout the entire postseason if they want to get the Super Bowl. They're going to need to be able to establish the run game on the road because this is a team that has dropped road games they shouldn't have before. They need him from a football perspective. Fantasy owners would love to have him back unless you're all, unless you're an Austin Eckler owner and you're not a Melvin Gordon owner. Then you're just devastated right now because you thought you were going to get through half the season with these great options before he came back. Yeah, and it, it, I have a feeling it's going to happen sooner rather than later. If this team was 3-0, and we wouldn't be having this discussion, right? And as Jake pointed out, this is almost this is the exact opposite of what happened last year with Le'Veon Bell, right? Where Le'Veon Bell went into the season and you thought he might have more leverage, but the Steelers came out and the running game looked good and the team looked good early on, and they were like, "Yeah, we don't really need you, Le'Veon." Whereas that's not really happening here for for the Chargers. The running game has looked good, but nobody's going to deny the fact that Melvin Gordon instantaneously comes on that team and is the best dynamic running back on that team, right? Like uh, like yeah. Austin Eckler, like Justin Jackson. Not Melvin Gordon, right? And at, and not that a fresh, healthy Melvin Gordon. I mean, you guys say he hasn't taken the pounding of any of this stuff at this point. I think he's going to come in a lot like Zeke and not really miss a beat. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to pull off a trade in one of my leagues, and I'm hoping it goes through for a Saquon owner uh, that was then devastated at running back. I'm trying to trade for Melvin Gordon, who's been sitting on their bench. They've been stashing, but I tried to trade Chris Thompson because they need help immediately, whether it's three or four weeks. I then pick him up and get a top six player. So like, if you're, if you're in that situation in some of your leagues, people listening, go try something like that. Throw another bench player in there and try to pick him up because I think you get him and you already add him to some solid lineups coming, going down the stretch. There's some serious value there. This backfield is going to be really interesting in the meantime. And Eckler's been really good. And he's still going to have a role when Melvin Gordon comes back. But a fresh Melvin Gordon fitting right into a, the same offense he's played in his whole career. Yeah, I'm actually annoyed going to be a big thing. I tried to trade for Melvin Gordon in one of my leagues uh, and I, on Monday, and I put this whole thing together. And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get it. that he's gonna it might be coming back. The news this breaks week, on you. I have no chance now because now <laughs> there's that there's no way they're going to trade him. So. Yeah, it's uh, the, uh bad timing on on the news coming out. 
My trade was accepted, uh, and I'm hoping doesn't get voted down in the meantime. If that's in so your 10-team uh, league, you're getting voted down. I hope you know. Unfortunately for you, they never let you win, Jake. You always after last week's trade, which I didn't even mention on the show, where I kicked yeah, up Christian McCaffrey and Mike Evans. Uh, uh, so yeah, it, it, it could, could still be could All right, the this uh, we're getting into waiver wire. Uh, some guys that uh, are, have been the number, kind of the top, the top few picks here, whether or not we think they're valuable to pick up. The first guy I will tell you we all agree is valuable to pick up because we all put in a waiver claim for him. Uh, that's Wayne Gallman. Obviously, with Saquon Barkley's injury, he is seeking a second opinion, but he is going to be out for an extended period of time. Gallman's going to be the guy. He's going to get a majority of the touches. Uh, I think, as I said, all of us tried to pick him up, so that should tell you where we all sit. But, Jake, your thoughts on, on Gallman? Yeah, I've heard him described as a guy, but he's not a guy. I mean, he's 6'2", 215, and I've loved the way he's, he's played and ran since he was at Clemson. I mean, he's a, he runs his tail off. Not, one guy doesn't bring him down very often. He catches it well out of his backfield, picks up the blitz really well. This is going to go through Daniel Jones, but they still got to have a running game. I think he's going to be a nice secondary piece. He's not Saquon by any means. Christian McCaffrey's not Saquon. But I think he's going to step in and be a 12 to 15 point a week guy that's going to be really solid. They could get in the end zone a couple times for you and have big weeks. So I'm happy that you got him losing Saquon in our league. And uh, I put a claim in on my other league and didn't get him. But uh, I, I think there's absolute value there. There's not like there's anybody else going to steal any carries from him. Yeah, and I, I spent as long as he's way out. too much fat budget on him in my, in my big money league. Uh, just because this was the thing I say. I, I spent 70 bucks on him, just to let you know. Okay. Which is way too much. And if, like the next person wasn't even within like $20 of that. So I, I wish I would have spent a little less. But... This is the move that you've been waiting for. For some of you that have waivers that go the next day, this is the move that you've been waiting for because there's not a better situation. People own Tony Pollard. People own Alexander Madison. People own Latavius Murray. You know, People own those players. This is the opportunity where a star running back goes down and, has a, and the backup has a clear opportunity. They've already used Wayne Goldman a lot in the red zone with Saquon Barkley on the field since the end of last year. So they're going to use him a lot in the red zone this year. I like him a lot. I have him as an RB2 this week. He's my number 15 overall running back. Um, pick him up and play him this week. I mean, he deserves to be in your lineup. And I, look, if, if you he's still available in your league or your league waivers haven't processed yet, just consider how much money and consider what is a better scenario for a running back that's on the waivers right now. Who, who could get hurt? And who would you spend more money on right now in a hypothetical scenario where somebody got hurt that's available in your league? And you might. Yeah. You've already named him. But Alexander Madison would be tops on my list, but I already, I already have him handcuffed yeah, in my league. A lot of people owned. own him because he had a good week last owned. week. Like, I, I, but none yeah. of those guys are, are in this situation. I mean, Gallman is and in was a owned in six percent of leagues, than that. as I checked uh, yesterday last night. Yeah. So it was a much different situation than all the other running backs you mentioned. This was a guy that you could pick up pretty pretty easily. You go in, put a waiver claim in, but you got to be ahead of the game, right? Yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast, go look. If he's available, pick him up. Uh, all right, next one here is we talked about James Conner uh, on Monday and a little bit and about our concern about the way he's been running um, and, and our level of panic, right? So this question, uh, these two guys are a reflection of that, right? Jalen Samuels or Benny Snell, which guy do you feel more comfortable with moving forward? And are you interested in picking either one of those guys up, Jake? Not Snell yet, unless Connor gets hurt. Uh, Samuels, yes, but 
Still a little concern there. I mean, James Washington still hasn't gotten anywhere near the targets and catches. I don't know when they're going to start throwing it to the to the back. I guess he was. I, I saw something. He was like in the play in the game for like eight straight plays and didn't have a touch uh, this weekend. This was a really weird game though. They're up six three at the half. They're up thirteen ten late in the third quarter. Like it was. It was a weird game flow. Uh, so if I'm going to pick one of the two, I'm going to go with Samuels, uh, who catches it really well out of the backfield, has home run hitting ability with a lot of speed. But I, Connor's still going to be the guy. Yeah, unless he I don't gets really hurt. want any of those guys. I'm not going to spend a roster spot on them. Uh, unless, again, unless James Connor gets hurt, then then things get interesting. But I have no interest in really spending. I mean, if you have Jalen Samuels, it's fine. He's you don't have to like, drop him or anything. But I'm not wasting any budget to pick up Samuels or Benny Snell. I I don't really want any piece. Of this Pittsburgh Steelers offense right now, I mean Vance McDonald's going to miss some time. Like I don't like to me, I'm not rushing to pick up Nick Vanette after the trade either. Like I just, I really don't want any shares of it. If I don't have Juju, I'm probably not playing anybody on the Steelers besides Juju and Connor, who you kind of have to play right now. Yeah, because you, I doubt you have three better options. But it's not great. No, it's not great. I will say, if Connor gets injured, I would look at Benny Snell because I don't think Samuels is going to step in and be the starter. I think. Well, it depends on what kind of league you're playing in. But I, I can see them trying to establish a run. I like Snell a lot. He catches it pretty well in the backfield, too. He doesn't have the home run hitting ability of Samuels. But, they, yeah, I agree with Jamie. I mean, if I had to pick one right now, I'd go with Samuels. If if Connor gets hurt, I'd Okay, well, the reflection of this this next guy is, one, he turned back time and is uh, obviously back in this Cowboys offense and showing his presence. The other thing is a couple of injuries in the tight end position. Obviously, Hunter Henry went down early on in the season. Vance McDonald was seen in a sling this week in, in Pittsburgh, and already without Ben Roethlisberger being there, you undervalued him. You know, you're looking at him on a week-to-week basis um, and now has had – has has been in this injury discussion pretty much since the beginning of the season. So this guy I'm talking about is Jason Witten, right? And and whether or not you think, guys, that he's a guy you would be willing to stream, uh, pick up, and play in the tight end position. Jake, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, four-point PPR, I really like him because there's, you know, it, the reason he came back is they were last in the league in third and four, third and five last year. So he's going to get – you know, he might get seven targets, five catches, and then be 40 yards, but that's a pretty decent day for a tight end in a full-point PPR league. Uh, and he's been good in the red zone. He doesn't look like he missed any time going to the Monday night booth. And with some injuries in, in that department, the tight ends, yeah, I mean, that's, that's yeah, definitely so an option he's, to stream. He's, like, he's been kind of hanging around like tight end 13 to 15 for me, so there are going to be leagues where you have the option to pick him up and play him certain weeks. Great, great bi-week fill-in guy when you start having to deal with that issue. The tight end position is somehow worse than we expected it to be. Despite yeah. the emergence of Darren Waller and Mark Andrews, it's still worse than we thought it was. Like there, I, I did tight end rankings in, on the draftnetwork.com, and I try to go to 20, and it is painful to get to 20 on tight end. Yeah, it's hard. Like It's painful. Like My bottom five right now are like Tyler Eifert, Jimmy Graham, Dawson Knox, Dallas Goddard, Kyle Rudolph. A whole lot of nothing. Uh, you know, like Nick Vanette's going to be there when I move Vance McDonald off this week. Uh, it's just – it's bad. At the tight end position. Yeah. So it's, it, as you said, worse than we expected and we somehow. didn't expect it to be great. So that's not, not ideal if you're looking to get these guys, but Jason Witten is a guy you're potentially streaming. That. Yeah. And now you're doing Jamie, Jamie, what do you think Irv Smith Jr.? I saw a stat yesterday from pro football focus. He's the highest rated offensive I, I'm player this see season. Everybody around the Vikings. I don't know how much they're using him, but that was interesting. I mean, he's a really good blocker. He's a full, you know, well-rounded guy, but he was like a 93 or something crazy on pro football focuses 
offensive rankings or you know players yeah, of the I mean, game they had, and that that's way they up used there. him a little the bit more in the receiving game using. last week. Everybody around the Vikings saying that's the guy to keep an eye on, so that might be a second half of the season. They're not using Kyle Rudolph, and they haven't for a year and a half now. So yeah. I think we can officially say. We don't worry about that. But again, if they're not throwing the ball to anybody there, except for Adam Thielen six times a game, then I'm not sure there's a lot of value there. But uh, back to like the Witten talk and the Will Disleys of the world, if you're a George Kittle owner, for example, you're already dealing with a bye week. Yeah. So this would be a good example of that. Two things to keep in mind the tight end position. Guys coming back in the next two weeks, Ben Watson in New England and Chris Herndon in New York. Guys that are available in almost every league. If you're really desperate or you're in a really bad spot, again, you're a Hunter Henry owner that hasn't found a replacement yet, and you're sitting here trying to play Will Disley and Eric Ebron and Jason Witten and Vernon Davis every week, you might want to get a week early and pick up one of those guys and just deal with that roster spot for a while because at least – I would say Chris Herndon more so than Ben Watson. I'm still waiting to see on him, but at least Chris Herndon when he plays – especially when Darnold comes back, he's worthy of being a starting tight end. Yeah. All right. Last guy I want to get into here is Justin Jackson. We talked about Eckler. We talked about Melvin Gordon. If Melvin Gordon comes back, do you think he has more value? Eckler has more value? What's your interest level in Justin Jackson? Because he's a trendy pickup this week, Jake. I think this week, I'd really like him because I think they should go down to Miami and blow their doors off. They should be able to rest Eckler a little bit, who's gotten a big workload. Justin Jackson, I think, had five touches last week. And he should have a big second half. If you're a Saquon owner and you own Devontae Freeman or something with it and you're scrambling at running back, then I like it. Uh, moving forward in a week or two when Melvin Gordon comes back, I think he has very little value. I think Eckler's role goes back to what it's been in the past, which could still be pretty solid for you in a flex position. Um I mean, with Phillip Rivers being number two in the NFL and passing right now, I don't think that's going to go down anytime soon because their defense hasn't been playing that great, and they're going to have to put some numbers up to win games. So if you want to play him in a flex position and stream him for a week or two, especially this week, matchup-wise, if you're really, really hurting, yeah, yes, I agree. But I mean, moving Jeff forward, Jackson's I don't think his value is that great. When Gordon's back, he's not rosterable, or he's your handcuff, and at that point, I don't think it, you, I don't think you've built your roster to the point where you can handcuff Melvin Gordon at this point, based on where they was drafted and where and all the holdout and everything. Like Jake said, Eckler goes back to a flex play. I mean, we we have a blueprint of what this team looked like with Gordon, Eckler, and Jackson did it last year. So there's not, I don't think there's going to be a ton of guesswork here. They're going to use them in a very similar fashion. But yes, this week's I think I think Jackson's a, a decent flex play, but. You still might have better options out there. Like I, I think this stuff sometimes gets a little bit overstated, but he's he's my running back thirty four this week, so definitely worthy of flex consideration. But he's not a must start by any means. Okay, even in Miami. All right, we are going to preview Thursday night football. Finally, a good game, uh, a good matchup here: Eagles versus Packers. Packers they're going on the road to play Green Bay. Green Bay is a five point favorite at home. Uh, Let's look at it from a fantasy lens first, and then we'll break down what we think is going to happen in this game. The biggest thing here, Jake, and I know you're a Carson Wentz owner, so I really want to get into this because one of the the biggest topics that I've seen go back and forth and start and sit is whether or not you're going to start Carson Wentz this week. A lot of it has to do with the fact that it is – really hard to go on the road on Thursday night, right? This team is really banged up. And I mean, really banged up. A lot of their players, you're looking at no Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffries questionable, probably not going to play. You're it's, they have a lot of, they have a lot of issues on this team and defensively, they have a lot of guys they're looking back at. And like I said, Thursday night football teams going on the road, not great. Jake, your thoughts on, on Carson Wentz, because I know you own him and I know you're thinking about it. 
Yeah, I went big on him. I, I went. I got him in two leagues. Um, you know, I sat him in both last week. I went with Josh Allen, and Wentz was a point better with nobody out there. That we're talking about the other league. I went with Tom Brady, who was. I think Wentz was a point better than that too. So that makes me go, okay, who do I look at this week? I'm not playing Josh Allen against New England, and I don't really want to play Tom Brady against the Bills. Uh, I probably will leave Brady in there because I feel like it's a little bit safer than playing Wentz on a Thursday night on the road. But Wentz has looked damn good. I'm just worried who he's going to throw it to. And I go back to who did he throw it to last weekend. It's still better than what Josh Allen put up. So of the options that I have, I'm going to play him in one and not play him in the other. I feel okay about it. He's looked really, really good to me. The scrambling ability is there. He'll get away and gets you 20 or 30 yards rushing. That can help. Uh, If Jeffrey plays, it helps tremendously. And Green Bay's defense has been really good. But they let a really bad Broncos defense move it up and down the field a little bit on them last week. That concerns me a little bit. Um, or makes me feel a little bit better as a Carson Wentz owner. So I don't feel great about the matchup. So I want to put you on the spot here because these are the couple of guys that people are going back and forth on. Um, So Carson Wentz is getting talked about this week as a popular start and sit. Carson Wentz or Daniel Jones. Uh, Maybe an overreaction to Danny Dimes last week, but not a great, uh, as we said, Thursday night road teams just traditionally isn't great um, and will not have his full set of weapons, might have Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, but what are your thoughts on, on that one, Jake? Man, I, I've, I looked at that specific thing. I picked up Josh Allen off a of waiver wire in a 10-man league last week. I uh, love the matchup. I love Danny Diamond's matchup against Washington's defense. The other one's Matthew Stafford uh, that I've looked at and going, okay, Maybe I'll leave Carson on the, on the bench for a week, drop Josh Allen, pick up one of those two guys. I'm favored in the matchup by like nine points. So I feel pretty good anyway. And I feel like Wentz is good. It all goes through Wentz. It's not like they're going to go to a running game and they're not going to throw it that much, right? So I think while that might bring interceptions into the picture, it's the numbers are still going to be pretty good for a guy that's going to throw it a ton. So that's, that's a tough one. I mean, look, Danny Dimes, I was big on after watching the preseason. I'm damn sure big on him after watching every freaking play that he played this weekend. And he's playing a, a good matchup back at home. So if it starts good, the fans are going to be going nuts. The kids should be riding high. I just – I can see a drop-off there. I still think Wentz is probably more solid than that. Stafford's the interesting one because they've got weapons, and that's a pretty good matchup for him too. So I'm not really sure what I'm going to do yeah, there. So but I definitely let me go through a few of those that we've, that we've brought up on the show so far with Carson Wentz. He's going to end up being QB 15 for me this week. Uh, I would definitely play Tom Brady over him. Uh, I don't really have any worries there. Brady's still barely inside my top 10, but he's worthy of playing. I would play Stafford over him as well. Uh, that Kansas City defense can't catch anybody. Like, they can't stop anybody. It's it's ridiculous. It's Funny thing, too, uh, if we, for Patrick Mahomes owners, it's his first indoor NFL game. Yeah, which I I saw somebody joke that it would be, if wow. you wanted to see what it will be like to watch a Madden video game, it will be like watching Patrick Mahomes in a dome. Uh, which could be, if you think about that, and it gets more ridiculous than yes. it's been. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like to watch my. But it's also the Kansas City defense in the dome. So let's let's see how that goes for them. I would start Matthew Stafford. I have Josh Allen and Carson Wentz right next to each other at fifteen, sixteen. So I think that's a personal preference. Uh, I have J- Daniel Jones down at eighteen. I like him this week, but I don't. To me, it's just like when all of this hype comes out of one game, I get very concerned that he might look like an average rookie in a game, and that's not, and not be okay. Uh, I'm not benching Carson Wentz for Daniel Jones. I understand why people want to do that, but I'm not going to be the one to do that. So, uh, again, QB 15 for me this week. So you, there's a, there's a chance you have a better option, uh, yeah. but uh, I, I, I wouldn't get crazy here. Where I wouldn't start the Daniel Jones or Kyle Allen or, or, or like Andy Dalton or guys like that. Like I just think that's getting too cute. 
Yeah, no, you like Stafford because you've seen Stafford, right? You've seen Staff. You saw Stafford go on the road last week and put up pretty decent numbers on a Philadelphia defense. So if he's at home inside the dome against a Kansas City Chiefs defense, that as Jake, as Jamie said, is uh, it's not very good. You can't stop anybody. No. Uh, so, but from a football perspective, I said Packers minus five in this one. What do you think is going to happen in this matchup, Jake? I got the Packers 27-23. I think their offense is going to continually get better. And and Philly's defense has not been as good as I thought they were going to be coming into the season. But their offense is hanging in there. Like I said, Carson Wentz is playing really good. They're finding ways to move it down the field and get some points. They couldn't find a way to win against the average Detroit team, I think. Uh, Packers, hard place to play. Aaron Rodgers on prime time, even though it's Thursday night at home, I don't ever pick against. I, I don't know that I love the four as much as I love the five, but I guess, I, I mean, if I had to go to 28, 23, I'm still right on the line. So I'll take this. I'll take what I wrote down and go 27, 23. Maybe Philly scores late. Yeah, I think it, this would be a close uh, game. These cover. are two teams that lose games. They shouldn't inexplicably. So you can never feel comfortable at any point. Uh, but I'm going to go to the Packers here. I think that they've been a more complete team than Philadelphia so far this year. They're at home short week. Uh, it does look like Alshon Jeffrey's going to play. Doug Peterson says he's likely to play, which will help. Um, it's to me just that it, it, the, it's a matchup of the defenses here. And Philadelphia's defense has not been very good. Their secondary has been very bad. I like Aaron Rodgers as a play this week. He's my QB, what do I have him? QB four. I think I closed it down. Because uh, I got asked, the big question I've been asked a lot this week was Aaron Rodgers versus Philip Rivers because mm. he's going on the road. Yeah. Um, and I think of Rivers QB six, I have Rodgers QB four. Uh, again, as we keep getting questions, is this the week to start Aaron Rodgers? We've gotten that for two weeks in a row now. This is the week to start Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. The Philadelphia second is allowed the seventh most fantasy points to quarterbacks. They haven't faced a quarterback as good as Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to see what the Green Bay offense can do. I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling has a big game here. Okay. Uh, I Again, Aaron Jones is, is a high-end RB, too. I, I like the Packers in this game to probably win by a touchdown, but I think it's going to be worth watching. I don't think we're going to turn off the game in the third quarter. No, I think it's going to be a close game here. The My thing with this is, is Philadelphia going to go to one and three? Because, man, this is going to – Philadelphia had high aspirations for Super Bowl conversation, uh, a lot about this division. And you look up, and you look up at the Dallas Cowboys, they just keep winning – Getting to the top of that division is not going to be very likely if you start the season one and three. So this is, will we see a, a, a more, you know, will we see more from this team? Like Malcolm Jenkins challenged this Philadelphia team, said we need to be, we need to be mentally stronger. But I don't like any team on the road on Thursday night football. I just, it's, it's very, very hard to win. Lambeau is an exceptionally hard place to play. And this Philadelphia team just, Hasn't looked great. They almost lost to Washington. Let's not forget. I they, know. They were down multiple scores to Washington <laughs> That's, at home in week one. I mean, they can't. They had a good time. I give a little bit of that. Nobody played in the preseason. They stepped on the gas and blew their doors off in the second half. So I like the fact that they were able to do that. And if they had a couple extra days here, I'd feel better about it. But going on the road Thursday night, the challenge to step up, it wouldn't surprise me if their defense plays better. But Aaron Rodgers is still going to have enough. I just think if we get to four weeks in, right, and and they're at one and three, we need to have a serious conversation about what the what the expectations are for this team going forward. Because you can't, you're not. It's going to be really tough to win that division at one and three when the Dallas Cowboys are probably going to move to four and zero. I mean, it's that's just it's pretty un. It's it's probably not going to happen, right? And and I think that the expectations in Philadelphia, if you want to see people melt 
on Twitter and watch Thursday night because if they lose that football game and if they lose handedly, right, which I think is very possible that Aaron Rodgers lights that defense up and it's a a little bit easier of a win than we even expect it to be, oh, man, it's going to be bad in Cleveland. It's going to be bad in Philadelphia. People, I already saw people call him for Nick Foles last week, which is absolutely ludicrous because Carson Wentz has looked great. It's not just – it's Philadelphia, man. Yeah. Like, it's it's one of the one of the more interesting. Look, I, I grew up in that town, man. I get that. T- Did you guys see the dude – you guys saw the video of the guy just losing his mind? No. Did you see who it was? The Philly, the Philadelphia. Oh, fan. I did see this. I did see this. That dude is the dean of admissions <laughs> at an Ivy League school. Are you shitting me? Like that is if that's not the definition of a Philadelphia it's, fan. I, I, I know, know exactly what, what you're that's talking insanity. about. It's there's if you haven't seen it, go on Twitter. Uh, look, all you need to type in is pen, and it will show up. It's the dean of admissions. Like, if you're one of these 4.8 high school students applying to Penn, put Go he, Eagles he on your freaking application. He is saying very choice words, and it's very easy to tell. He's very upset, very passionate. Love the, love love Philly, man, because that's what Philly is, and it doesn't matter if you're uh, the dean of admissions of an Ivy League school or a guy who's working construction. Like, they're all like that. That's how Philadelphia is. Uh, I'm always entertained by what's happening in Philly. Look, the media found this dude and interviewed him, and he he owned it. Like he owned it. He goes, "Yeah, I'm passionate. I probably should apologize for some of my yeah. words, but go Eagles! I'll be watching Thursday night." Between that and between the the guy who is rescuing kids, calling out Nelson Aguilar for not catching kids. <laughs> yeah, that one was spectacular too. Yeah, hey, absolutely. That, that was, good on Nelson Aguilar for the way he handled as that. classy as you can come. That was, right? that, was spectacular. It, that guy obviously takes a, she- a cheap shot at Nelson Aguilar. A uh, funny, but yeah, cheap shot. So very, very funny. Uh, and Nelson Aguilar, you know, says, "I'm going to give you guys tickets to the game on me," and you know, he'll probably end up meeting him and taking a picture together, and like, we'll all that's laugh. What I need, I need a glamour shot of that guy like holding a baby and <laughs> on the back. <laughs> Nelson Aguilar holding a football. <laughs> How about oh Nelson Aguilar God, holding the baby? Twitter page of the inquiry. Yeah, tw- Twitter will melt down and go absolutely nuts. All right, yes. uh, Jake, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? Yeah, this is an interesting week, man. We get into it on Friday. Is uh, it's it's going to be hard to pick against a lot of the home teams, which is. A good problem to have, but there's going to be some really good teams that are going to have to – or some solid teams that if they win some of these road games this week could really take a step forward. It's uh, it's getting interesting. That and you got you know got the, a couple undefeated matchups and, and that kind of stuff, which is always getting fun. I mean, we're getting into almost October yeah. where football really begins to become football. And who starts to separate themselves, right? We're talking about some of these undefeated teams. Who starts to really – put position between themselves and the second and third place guys in the division. It'll continue one of those Philadelphia and Dallas. Let's see what happens. And we'll talk about obviously Dallas's matchup this weekend. Jamie, any parting thoughts Uh, to me? I think today is a good day to start looking at how bye weeks are going to affect you. Not just this week, but the next couple weeks going forward and start preparing where you're not worrying about your lineup. Obviously, a team like San Francisco is on a bye this week. We don't care about the Jets being on a bye unless you're a Le'Veon Bell owner. Yeah. Uh, But again, understanding that, what that means for your team going forward, what the plan is, making sure that you are starting to think a few weeks in advance. And remember that as you're looking at your bench, like, for example, I dropped Nelson Aguilar in, in a league this week because 
I needed the room to get pick up a guy like Wayne Gallman. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to play him on Thursday night. And then Jeffrey's going to be back. And then Deshaun might be back in a couple weeks. So I don't know when I'm going to play him again. Start thinking like that. If you're yeah. not going to play these players in the next couple weeks. You got to drop them. And it's not like a handcuff situation. Don't hold on to them. Don't don't leave players that might actually be in your lineup like a Wayne Gallman or somebody like that because of that. Other name to kind of keep in mind, and I picked him up for like a dollar in a lot of these leagues. C.J. Anderson worked out with the Texans. I want to see if the Giants call him. Uh, so there's just that's just a guy to kind of – I don't know if I'd pick up yet, but just kind of keep on your radar. Maybe set some Twitter alerts for C.J. Anderson just yeah. in case because things get really interesting, even if he's splitting time in some place like New York or Houston. Yeah, that's a that's a good one, Jamie. I didn't even think about that. Uh, all right, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake, Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Jake Arians on Instagram. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow this show at TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter and at TDN Fantasy on Instagram. And you should check out Jamie's rankings on thedraftnetwork.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.